Welcome to Spook Pod. This is Courtney. And this is Emily. Spook Pod, everyone. I hope you're feeling fine and dandy today. We're not over here, but that's fine. Also, you can't be just one or the other. Can't be fine, can't be dandy, have to be both. Both for the fine record. and dandy. I would describe myself as the opposite of fine and the opposite of dandy. Whatever that is. Um, not okay and... <laughs> I don't know what's the opposite of dandy. Somebody help me with Google. <laughs> I'm just going to type in, what is the opposite of dandy? Does it have an opposite? And you're all just going to have to, you have to sit here and listen to me do it. <laughs> Insignificant, ordinary, poor, inferior, <laughs> not good, second rate, unacceptable. <laughs> you pick. You pick. What? All of those. All of those is how I'm feeling. I, feel, I hope you feel terrible and insignificant. <laughs> That's such a sad way to feel. Insignificant. Well, let's dive into the case for today. We have another case for you, just like we do every week. Same thing going on over here. But today we are discussing the Putten murder case. Putten. I'm just saying that with an English accent. I hope that's okay. I don't know how to say it with a Dutch, Dutch accent. Putten. It's a funny word, so I enjoy it. Um, But the Putten murder case, this was the murder of 23-year-old Crystal Ambrosius. As well as being a very senseless crime, this case is actually considered one of the Netherlands' worst and most notorious miscarriages of justice ever recorded. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. On that note, though, so I was thinking about this earlier. I often have, like, a hard time naming our episodes because I don't want them to have spoilers in it, you know? Like, so this case is called the Putten, the Putten murder case. So, well, you already know that someone has been murdered. And I just told you now that it's a miscarriage of justice, so you can also infer some things from that. But... Yeah, I was just thinking about how I struggle with naming our episodes just because, like, I want them to be vague to not give things away, but also be accurate. And then you get into, like, Let me the... start. Let me do it. I want to do it. I'll name them. We'll record them, and then I will decide a name that has nothing to do You're, You'll see something like squiggly banana pants or something like that. Well, I hope there's no case that results in me going squiggly banana pants. But essentially, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but you also get into some funky business. Like, if you don't technically, like, if a case is not classified as a murder, you know, maybe it's just, like, a missing person or something, but you have, like, a strong suspicion that it's a murder, but then you can't technically call it a murder. Anyways, I was just thinking about this because I really like to surprise people and I really like to like take you on a journey on these episodes, but also like 
hold the cards close to my chest so that like when I do drop some information, you're like, what? So maybe like I'll just start calling them strong recommendation of murder. (laughs) Number one and number two and number three. Yeah. Strong recommendation. Yeah. We're rambling, and this is not the rambling uh, channel. So sorry. All right. Find your point, you know? <laughs> I don't really have one. I just wanted to complain about the naming of the podcasts and how, like, what I... The injustice of being a creative person, you know? <laughs> we just have to, like, try so hard. Ugh. Yeah. Well, like, what I actually wanted to name this podcast, I guess... Like, it just gives it away sometimes, you know? And I just don't want that. And I also hate when I'm going to listen to, like, a crime podcast and that the title gives it away. And then I'm like, no. But anyways, all right. That's enough complaining from me today. Let's get to our case. Hey, I'm allowed one complaint on days that I feel insignificant. That should be, like, allowed. We should put that in the rules. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's get back to Crystal and this case. So Crystal Charlotte Ambrosius was born in Hardewijk in the Netherlands on December 1st, 1970. Her parents were Johan Ambrosius, who was her father, and he was a maritime captain, and Marika Simon, who was her mother. She also had an older brother. At the age of five, her family moved to Putten, which is like a, you know, kind of decently sized town, not too small, not too big. Um, And it wasn't really far from where she was born. And this is where she grew up. So this was her home. She was a pretty independent kid. And actually, at the age of 16, she moved out of her parents' house. The source that I read just said she moved in with a loved one, so I wasn't really sure who that was and why she that's, moved. <laughs> that's odd, because, like, listen, at 16, I was not a capable human being. I'm willing to admit that I <laughs> floundered a lot in life. And for it to just say a loved one, like, there's not many people that I would have just up and moved in with at 16. I know, I thought Even it was if a little they bit were. weird. Yeah. It doesn't really have a lot of standing on the case, but I was just like, huh. But to move out of your parents' house at 16, there's normally a reason for that, right? Like, I dislike my parents. Yeah. (laughs) But even still, even though she was all moved out, she finished high school and she began studying anthropology at Utrecht University. But then a little bit into her studies, she realized, meh, I don't really think that this is the life for me. So she left university, and in 1992, she became a flight attendant for United Airlines. She was about 21 years old at this time. Honestly, I have always wanted to be a flight attendant. I think that would be a rad job. Such a banging job choice. Like, you just get to go places and yell at people when they're being dumb. (laughs) And it's just so fun. Right? I agree. Too bad I, like, normally flight attendants need to be, like, bilingual, I think. I'm not very good at other languages. You can do Spanish pretty good if you're drunk. (laughs) Oh, gracias. Gracias. (laughs) 
But yeah, I think being a flight attendant would just be really rad. And it seemed really cool because, like, she was living in London, actually. Like, she had a room through her work in London where she stayed the majority of the time. But if she had any time off or she wasn't flying, she would go and stay with her mother and her brother in her hometown of Putin. Her parents had actually divorced sometime throughout her life, so her dad was living in Almir at this time. Uh, But Crystal was known as a really charismatic, lively, witty, and intelligent young woman. And this brings us to that really fateful day. So January 9th, 1994, Crystal had been in the Netherlands for a few weeks at this time uh, because it was the Christmas holidays, so she was spending time with family. And on this particular Sunday afternoon, she wanted to go and visit her grandmother, which I think is just so cute. Like, her grandma was this little 80-year-old woman. She lived on three Weichenweich. <laughs> which is fun to say, even though I'm bad at it. Um, And it was on the edge of Putterboss, which I needed to say that because I absolutely loved that. So boss, boss, boss means forest in Dutch. So it's like the putter forest. (laughs) Okay, so like not to rain on your parade and not like no disrespect or shade, but this sounds a lot like Red Riding Hood. True, it does at this point, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Continue. <laughs> so Crystal hopped on her bike and she rode over to her grandmother's house. However, when she arrived, her grandmother wasn't home. She was actually out visiting a sick acquaintance. Was there a wolf in her bed? <laughs> uh, cannot confirm, but... <laughs> mm, mm. I think I know where this is going. (laughs) So Crystal decided to wait for her grandmother. So she just kind of hung around her house, just chilling inside. And her grandmother returned around six o'clock that night to a pretty gruesome scene. She found Crystal lying lifeless in the living room. She was in a pool of blood and covered with a coat. The investigation revealed that she had been arred, stabbed, and murdered via strangulation. I actually saw some conflicting news reports. One of them said that her throat had been cut, so I'm not entirely sure, but she... I think the majority said that she died via strangulation, so I'm just going to go with that. The autopsy also found semen on her leg and two foreign hairs on her. The hairs were compared to the semen, and they were a match. So basically, we have one individual physically on Crystal at the crime scene. Now, of course, when this happened, shock just filled the community, and the police instantly sprung into action to figure out who this could have been, like what happened. During their investigation, a large number of Putin residents were interviewed, and it became clear during these interviews that many of the people had seen an old green Mercedes near the crime scene on the day of the murder. And it wasn't hard from there for police to figure out who owned that green Mercedes and who was in it. So it was actually four young adult males, Vilko Vietz, Herman Debose, Willem Betink and 
Carrot Shushard. Can I just say, and again, I get that it's a murder case, but these all sound like frog names. Frog names. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but Wilco, Herman, Willem, and Garrett would be names of a frog that I like in my if I had a tank of frogs, that those would be their names. <laughs> Mostly because like Magic School Bus was Herman. <laughs> Herman. And there's something that's Willem. like Willem. Willem. That's from Willem. How I Met Your Mother, I think. Willem. And then and then like just Wilco and Garrett. Yeah. Those are frogs. It names. works. Thank you for that. Now I'm gonna picture these guys as frogs. They're just They're... four frogs cruising. <laughs> cruising in their Mercedes. In a green Mercedes. Out for a rip. <laughs> Mm. Oh, that was some Canadian slang, I think. Out for a rip. Yeah, a rip is, is a rip is like a cruise, like a drive, like a just out for a rip, eh, bud? Out for a rip, eh, bud? Just out for a rip, are you, bud? <laughs> just out for a rip. I uh censored that a lot because there's some swear words in that song. <laughs> there are. I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, I guess I'll just do it. It's like uh are you out for a rip, are you, bud? Fucking right. Are you out for a rip? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> that sounded super Canadian when you said that. Um, It's a super Canadian song. I think it's on YouTube. <laughs> Look it up. Uh, so these four guys, they were friends, but Wilco and Herman, they were actually brothers-in-law as well because Herman had married Wilco's sister, Anya. And this was something that they actually did all the time. They went out for rips all the time. They just went around driving laps in the woods in their Mercedes on the weekend. Okay, frog boys. But, like, get a hobby. <laughs> this is their hobby, Emily. This is what no, like no, 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 no. This is a waste of time. And arguably a hobby gas. Is something that's, yeah, a hobby is something that, if, if it's not productive, at least it's, like, entertaining. I feel like driving laps around the woods in a Mercedes is like just begging to wreck a car. <laughs> so because so many people had named their car as being near the crime scene, the four of them immediately became suspects to the police and they were subjected to a series of interrogations. At first, the boys completely denied being involved, but eventually their stories started to shift and change over the course of the interviews. And eventually, two of the boys would blame the other two boys. So Vilko and Herman became the prime suspects. Do you think it was like front seat against back seat? Maybe. Or maybe it was just, just like... Because like, you know in like a group always... before, it's always like two people are closer and two people are like... Like, like okay, let's say like Wilco's the driver and Herman always calls shoddy. And the other two are just mad. <laughs> Sorry, continue. This was just speculation. <laughs> well, Wilco and Herman, they were still denying the crime at this point. But then, you know, the police were like, hey, your buddies are making statements against you. This is what we have. So they started to change their story as well. And eventually they would confess to the crime of killing Crystal. So based on the statements made, this was the reconstruction made by police. So on Sunday afternoon, when Crystal was murdered, these four boys went out 
for a car ride in the woods in their Mercedes, as they usually did. When they saw Crystal cycling to her grandma's house, Vilko and Herman got out of the car and walked with her to her grandmother's house. Willem and Garrett drove on for a while, but eventually they parked the car and they walked back to their house, or sorry, they walked back to the house where their friends had entered with Crystal. But they saw from the front yard through the window that Crystal was dead. They didn't do anything about it, though. They just waited for their friends to come out of the house, and then the four of them left together. So listen, I know we've said we're, like, really good friends and stuff, but if I ever, like, dropped you off with a dude and came back, and you and, like, another girl, (laughs) and you and another girl had tag team murdered him, A, I'd be jealous, (laughs) and B, I'd probably act out because of that didn't even invite me cool so you turned me in depending on depending on the scenario i think i'd like ring up the cops and be like listen i was friends with this girl and she's just like a nutter butter and full-on killed off the rails i I would totally do that too some other girl (laughs) right because it's like what so wilco and herman would face trial for this crime but there were a couple of serious problems with the evidence that came out in court The biggest problem being that the DNA, like the hair and the semen, found on Crystal did not match either of these two men. To overcome this in court, the drag theory was introduced. This was a really fucking weird theory that basically the the prosecutors argued that the semen found on Crystal actually came from before from a consensual sexual partner. So, meaning Crystal had been with someone else prior to the murder, and then the attack made the semen, like, come out of her and onto her leg. So it's, like, innocent semen that can be disregarded. That's what they said. I'm going to tell you right now, any girl who had that sloshing around inside of her does not have it sloshing around inside of her after a fucking bike ride. (laughs) Good point, Emily. (laughs) But yeah, so you can already see like how weird this sounds. Like that's super weird. That's super not a good theory. No, it's the worst theory I've ever heard in my life. Like I don't know how that passed as even a theory. Also, somebody else's dick just hooked onto that semen and pulled it out. Don't worry about it. Oh my God, there's a bug that does that. Did you know that? There's like there's like a bug that has like a little shovel penis and he like scoops the other bug's semen out. Isn't that so funny? I read about that in like a biology uh, book. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, but also this is really stupid because they don't know at this point who the semen belonged to even. So how can they say that it was a consensual partner? They had no idea who it was. They ran it through the DNA database that exists in the Netherlands, and it had no matches. So basically from there, they just gave up. They were just like, hey, we got some DNA, but let's do nothing with it at all. It's perfect. Yep. Perfect. So despite this glaring insight, both Wilco and Herman were found guilty at trial. And they were each sentenced to 10 years in prison. Their conviction was largely based on the confessions and statements from all four of these guys. 
And this was in 1995 when they were sentenced. So that means they were scheduled to be released in 2005. The other two men, Willem and Garrett, they were not charged or sentenced with anything. So they were completely free to go. Herman's wife, Anya, actually wrote a book on how this affected her because, I mean, it was her brother and her husband who were convicted of this. Like, could you imagine? That is, that's a pretty shitty day to learn that both your husband and uh, brother are, are, you know, convicted murderers now. It is, but I also, like, don't think I'd write a book about it. Like, maybe, like, an angry blog or Facebook post. (laughs) You'd hash it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so these guys, they went off to serve their sentence. And I think I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but if you have good behavior in prison in the Netherlands and the court deems it acceptable, then a third of your sentence can get taken off. Which means, since Wilco and Herman were sentenced to 10 years, they had to serve around seven of those years. So they were, they served this full sentence of seven years and they were released in 2002. Now, although they had confessed at first to the police that they were involved in this, they quickly rescinded those confessions and every single day in prison, like every single day, they maintained that they were innocent, that they did not do this crime. After they were released, they were released back to a community that, of course, treated them like convicted murderers. And they just tried to pick up the pieces of their lives and move on. But these guys, luckily, were not alone in the fight to clear their name or to claim their innocence. So after the verdict, this case caught the attention of Peter R. de Vries, who I know we have mentioned him in a couple podcast episodes before. I think specifically Natalie Holloway and Mariana Vavstra. I'm a big fan of him. So he is, uh, or he was, the one of the biggest, like, he had like a TV show, like a crime TV show that was super popular in the Netherlands. Um, and it's, it's really crazy. I said this before, but he was actually murdered himself in 2021. And that's still like, I still cannot wrap my head around that because that is just mind boggling that that happened. I, statistically though, he'd probably pissed off a lot of people. Probably. So but like still, it's so weird. So like, I get it. It's really weird. And I'm sad. And I really liked him. And it's tragic that it came to that end. But statistically, (laughs) he probably had a higher chance than most other people. Of getting murdered. Yeah, like how defense attorneys are more likely, judges are more likely, police are more likely, things like that. I know, but it's still just, it's just crazy. The Netherlands isn't that big, so I don't know. It's just, it's weird. But, But anyway, so Peter thought these guys were innocent. And he featured them a lot on his crime television show. And he actually began working with um, the former chief commissioner, Jan Blau. I love his name. I know that means because it's just, just like blue, it's just I like think. you. But it's like you gave up at the end in Dutch. <laughs> just Blau. Blau. 
but Jan had also been an advocate for these guys. So he had actually written a letter back in 1999 before they were even released to the minister of justice, like really criticizing this case. And he laid out like a, like an eight point document on why this case was messed up. And this letter had led to like, the parliament looking into it and asking questions, but not a review of the verdict. So they didn't go that far. Then in 2000, Jan also wrote a book about the case and accused the police of tunnel vision. So together, these two guys, they examined the files, they made reconstructions, they interviewed witnesses, they had conversations with the, with the convicts. They were really fighting for their innocence. And eventually, a request for revision of this case was brought all the way to the Supreme Court. And on April 24th, 2002, the two convictions of Wilco and Herman were overturned. So they were completely acquitted of the crime. And that's all well and dandy, except they had already served their entire sentence. That means they get money. (laughs) At least in Canada, it means they get money. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a bit interesting because, like, because prison sentences are usually a lot longer in North America, when this type of injustice happens, normally the person is still in prison when it kind of comes out that they're innocent and then they get released. But it's just. And then they get restitution. Yeah. But it's just (laughs) kind of funny here that, like, they served their entire sentence and, uh, Yeah, like then, like it was already done. I I also hate that the answer to this is basically just the government shrugging and going, whoopsie doodles, and then giving you some money. Like, yeah, money is all well and good, but that was literally seven years of my life. I know. Yeah, so Wilco and Herman, they received 1.8 million euros between the two of them. So I guess almost a million each. So, yeah, I mean, like, at least they get a bit of compensation. At least they have something that they can use to start over. But it, it it's like, it's seven years of their life that's lost. It's their reputation that's lost. Uh, you know, like family it's, and friends. Yeah. Their, it's, their opinions forever change. Exactly. And, of course, this experience would change them. You know, you don't go to prison on a murder conviction and come out the same person, even if you were innocent. Uh, Yeah, so, but at least, at least they got something. Except at this point, now we don't have any justice for Crystal, right? Like, we have no idea who really killed her. These guys just spent seven years in prison, but that means that there is a killer on the loose somewhere. It was the other two. (laughs) So now I know that the justice system works slowly, but this is really frustrating. Like it wasn't until all the way into 2006 that the authorities decided, oh, hey, we're going to resume the investigation to try and find Crystal's real killer. Just a casual 12 years. Yeah, I know, right? Like they said it was based on an analysis that additional investigative possibilities existed and there was enough to move forward with the investigation because yeah at this point it's a cold case like crystal like they were dicking around with the wrong people for 12 years so they're coming at this case fresh again in 2006 
And then two years after that, on May 20th, 2008, it was announced that a new third suspect had been arrested on the basis of a DNA match. So they found... Oh, so from the, uh, from the innocent semen? Yeah, from the innocent semen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they found who the owner of the semen was. I also kind of hate how they call it like a third suspect, because at this point, they know that the two that they had before were very wrong. They but... should just call it the prime suspect. Yeah. The prime suspect, not the mistakes we made. <laughs> yeah. Whoopsie doodles. So it was 33-year-old Ronald Peeper from Delft who was arrested. All the Dutch news articles called him Ron P. (laughs) Uh, But his name does pop up if you Google the case, since it was a pretty media-heavy case. At the time of Crystal's murder, Ronald was 19 years old, and he was living in Putin. In fact, he lived just a few hundred meters away from Crystal's grandmother. Okay, so here's the deal, though. How mad is Froggy 1 and Froggy 2 that Froggy 3 and Froggy 4 full-on lied about the events of that evening? I know, right? I have to assume that they were being put under a lot of pressure. Like, false confessions happen all the time. It's really weird, but they happen all the time. Again, a tragically flawed justice system. (laughs) Yeah. And it also came out that the police had interviewed Ronald when this whole thing first happened because they interviewed like everyone in the immediate area. So they interviewed Ronald and he refused to give a DNA sample. And then they That's were like, you call a red, red flag right there. Right. So- <laughs> and then they're like, okay, cool. And then he was released. And also like, I don't know what it is with this case and I'm sorry again. <laughs> But Ronald is the shitbag in the paper bag princess, which is a Canadian <laughs> children's book. Um, oh, I didn't know that was Canadian. It is? Yeah, it's by Robert Munch. Oh, we're getting a lot of like fairy tale shit going on in here. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know what my vibe is right now. I don't know why this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. So I actually, I really enjoy how Ronald was caught. So if you remember, I said previously, like, they put the DNA into the database, um, and there was no hits for it. But then, in 2005, Ronald was sentenced to community service for a violent crime that he committed. Uh, he assaulted his girlfriend at the time. Oh. Yeah, he's Weird. A real, he's a real piece of shit. He's a real Because he of seems shit. like a nice guy <laughs> up until this point. <laughs> and there was this new law... That had been put into place where if you are like committed of a uh, convicted of a violent crime, you have to give your DNA. So he, I like that law. Yeah, it's a good law. So he gave his DNA. It was in October 2007 that he had to give his DNA over. And then in April of 2008, they found that that DNA matched the DNA found in the Putin murder case. Because, hey, Dingling, guess what? Once you put your DNA in the database one time, it's in the database forever time, and it, you know, goes against all those old cases. Yeah. Huzzah. So Ronald went to trial, but he he denied this. Like, he has denied it from the start, and he still denies it to this day. He claims that he had a secret love affair going on with Crystal, 
and that the night before she was murdered, the two of them had been intimate for about two hours. That goes against what you said with the bike. <laughs> no one believes that, Ronald. Nobody two believes. hours? <laughs> two hours, my man? No one believes that. Yeah, the prosecutor said that this was nonsense. Because he knows two hours, Ronald. <laughs> and But there was really, there was no evidence that Crystal and Ronald knew each other. So Ronald was found guilty. Huzzah. We've, we're at our third conviction in this murder. And he received 15 years in prison. And this is actually, so there was a lot of back and forth on his sentence. So initially he received 15 years. And then he appealed that and he got 18 years, which I absolutely just love. Because <laughs> you're stupid, Ronald. Yeah. But then this went like all the way up to the Supreme Court, which said that the conviction should be upheld, um, but that the time of it should be reconsidered. But they said it because it didn't take into account previous thefts that he had done. So not only is this guy like killing people, abusing his girlfriend, he was out there stealing shit too. He's a real piece of shit. But then, unfortunately, and I'm not really sure why, but in 2013, the Supreme Court ruled that they had imposed too long of a sentence on him, and it was dropped down to 15 years and six months. So that was the final also, say. Like, honestly, in this case, I do kind of feel bad for the Supreme Court. <laughs> because how many times have they had to deal with the bullshittery that has gone like because normally yeah. in a case like maybe the supreme court gets involved once and they're like let's wash our hands of this justice served and then like to like how many times like three the poor supreme court's like oh my god this thing again can someone <laughs> deal with ronald please because i'm over it yeah the injustice in this in this case is pretty wild um Okay, so dude, he has a sentence of 15 years. But remember what I said about good behavior. If you have good behavior and the court deems it appropriate, a third of your sentence can be removed, which would put Ronald in prison for 10 years. So he was arrested in 2008, which means that 2018 was the 10-year mark. But don't worry, dude is still in prison. So in 2022, the district court ruled that he is not eligible for early release. And there is a reason for that. And this is the fucking kicker. After all this happened with Crystal's case, it actually came to light that Ronald was involved in the death of another young woman, Annika Vonderstop. So this guy is like the biggest piece of shit, like literally a serial killer. This guy is... And this second killing happened in 2005, which means that it wouldn't have happened at all if the case with Crystal had been handled correctly from the start. If the Frog Boys had just kept their story straight, we would have been fine. Well, hey, it's not the Frog Boys' fault. It's the friggin', like, everyone, it's everyone in this case is just doing a shit job. Uh, so next week, we are actually going to talk about this second case, the killing of Annika Vonderstrap. So, hey, talk about a spoiler <laughs> for that one. Yeah, Little Miss, I hate giving it away. I know. And you're like, guess what? I know. Right? I know. <laughs> I've given the whole thing away. <laughs> for all of next week, it's all it's all given away. But no, we still have a lot to discuss. Like, there is a lot more 
about how fucked up Ronald is. Dude is really fucked up, by the way. And yeah, just what happened in that case is completely wild as well. Like all in all, the level of injustice in these two cases, everything to do with Ronald is, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's injustice at every single level with this guy. So just to end, as I always do on a note for the victims, like there are quite a bit of casualties in this case. Herman and Wilco, they were both victims, although a different type of injustice happened to them. So I really hope that they have been able to put this experience behind them at this point. And while I'm sure they are very, very changed from this, I, I do hope that life has gotten easier for them. I hope they don't still hang out with Willem and the other one. What's his face? Gil, Gilly boy. <laughs> Garrett. I wonder if they Garrett. do. Yeah, I wonder if this I ruined their I friendship. I wouldn't. Oh my God. If you and Bree turned on me and sent me to jail for <laughs> 10 years and I came back out, I would never. Or I would show up like and just sit on your front lawn in a lawn chair and stare at your house. <laughs> with my... With my f- prison face with your prison face that you you learned you know you know i would have developed a prison face i've probably got like one of those scars that runs from the corner of your eye down to the corner of your (laughs) mouth and like every so often i drool and i'll just sit there and stare at your house (laughs) you can call the cops go ahead i'm not breaking any laws (laughs) buy the house across the street and stare through you at you through the window every day Might make a sign that just says, fuck you, and hold it up. (laughs) (laughs) Every time they look out the window, you're there holding your sign up. (laughs) I will haunt you even though I'm not dead. (laughs) I think that's called stalking. (laughs) I think so, too. And I think that's a criminal activity. (laughs) Nah, nah. You'd have to catch me and prove it. (laughs) (laughs) They see your sign, Emily. It's just for anyone walking by. It's not specifically for them. (laughs) Anyone that goes on your lawn. (laughs) (laughs) So finally, to end on a note for Crystal, uh, I really, I really feel for her family in this case. They had it really hard because, you know, like this case was just so botched from the start and that they haven't been able to just genuinely mourn their daughter you know like they think that it's done and then ope turns out it's not done and then they go through another trial and yeah it's just her family has said that they just want to be left alone from the press so i really hope that they are able to find some peace from this and 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 oftentimes in these cases you know like when you have this injustice where people go to prison who didn't do the crime, sometimes the victim gets lost in that and the story becomes more about the people who went to jail, who shouldn't have went to jail. So I just want to end this in memory of Crystal uh, so that we all remember this young, vibrant girl who lost her life and, and her family has to miss her each and every day. So with that, we will be back next week to talk some more about this fucking Ronald guy. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of him. I wasn't a fan of the paperback princess, and I am still not a fan today. <laughs> Just for anyone who doesn't know, Ronald's a giant shitbag in the paperback princess. And 
he treats Elizabeth like crap. And then he gets eaten by a dragon because that's what he deserves. He does Thank deserve you. that. And Ronald deserves that too. Honestly, you're going to be so mad in the next episode, like hearing about what happens. It's, it's pretty nutty. But all right, we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please listen, rate, view, and follow all episodes of Spook Pod. New ones are out every Friday. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to talk to us? Have questions? You can email us at thespookpod at gmail.com or follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit at spookpod. For a full list of episodes, more deets, or to see what's coming next, visit our website, spookpod.com. This has been a presentation of Mostly Awkward Media. See See you next week. week!